Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are just so grateful. It's such a joy to be in your presence, Lord. And today, Father, as always, we say, have your way. Do what you do best amongst your children. Turn situations around. Yokes broken. Shackles removed. Restoration of health. Restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen. Father, because you are with us, we shall not fear what the evil one may do. Our confidence, our trust, our hope is in our Father. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. I'm just so excited this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So today we're going to do something a bit different. Nothing unusual. But I like to mix things up a little bit. So I will at some point. But bear with me just one second. Can I borrow this chair? <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. I'll do it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Amen. Genesis 8.22. And we're going to all read it together. Can we all see it? Right, can we read it together? As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat... Summer and winter, day and night would never cease. Let's read it one more time. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Now, this is the first few chapters of the first book in the Bible the king of kings, the master of the universe, writes this. As it was then, it is now, and it is going to be to the end of the age. Is that not so? Right. So if God wrote it all those years back, is it not important that in this day and age, today, tomorrow, and as long as we're on earth, we should take heed of what's written there. Every single thing. Seed time. Harvest time. Now, every single day of our lives, as a child, as an adult, 
we sow seeds. Is that not true? We sow seeds. We sow seeds by the things we do. We sow seeds by the things we say. We sow seeds by the things that we hear. So is it not important that because there's seed time and there's always going to be a harvest, that we're mindful of the seeds that we sow? Is it important that we're mindful of the seeds that we sow? Because the seeds that we sow determine the harvest that we get from it. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, if we take in wrong information, the mouth would speak. If our eye gates take in wrong information by the things we watch on TV, by the things we watch and allow to influence us around us, eventually our mouth will speak. And that's why the Bible says we should guide our heart with all diligence because out of it flows the rivers of life. So basically, from the things we hear, from the things we do, from the things we do say, that determines our future. It determines our lives. Now, for each one of us, we make investments. Those are the seed times. We're young. Our parents invest in us by sending us to school. Is that not right? Because they want us to get a good education. So that when we come out of school, we get a good job. So that when we get a good job, we have enough money to buy the things that we want to buy. Isn't that so? Every parent, every African parent wants their child to be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, a pilot. A preacher? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> not in those days. <laughs> Amen. Because they know that is where the money is. And they believe that the more money you have, the more influence you can command. And you can also look after them. Yeah. I've had parents tell their children, you are my investment. No names mentioned. But if I was to ask you this morning, and please feel free to tell me if you want to, how much do you have in your bank account? You don't need to tell me. I wasn't expecting, I was expecting you to challenge that. But if I asked each one of us, and a number of us have more than one bank account. So if I was to say, how much do you have in your bank account? Whichever bank account it is. Your savings account, your investment account, your share account. <laughs> if I was to say that, 
I bet a lot of you are thinking, hmm, yeah, that's how much I've got. That's how much I've got. How much have you got in your retirement account? Each one of us know or have a rough idea of what we have because we have worked hard to invest in those accounts. And we take care and manage those accounts on a month or week-to-week basis. To the point that some of us even have applications set up on our phones to say, if your balance drops below a certain amount, send me an alert. And that's the extent that we go to to ensure that our physical financial bank account is healthy. And we've said this so many times, always make sure you save for the raining day. Because there would always be a raining day. It's not if, it is when. And we do all this in the physical. We save for our bills, insurances, mortgages, rents, and probably the non-compulsory expenses, the holidays, the entertainment. I'm guilty of that. I have a budget for every single thing so that I know on a month-to-month basis what comes in and what goes out and what I have left. And it's good to do that. We need to do that so that we don't end up spending more than we have. Now, can I ask you a question? If you had 500 pounds in your account, would you issue out a check for 5,000 pounds? Anyone? Why not? Pardon? It will bounce. It will cost you more money. It will bounce. And you don't have it. So, is that not a fraudulent act? Yeah? It is, it's immoral. It's fraudulent. A couple, about four weeks ago, month, two months ago, in Pennsylvania, did exactly that. $120,000 was erroneously paid into their bank account. And what do they do? They go on a spending spree. Buy an SUV, buy all sorts of things. Where are they going to spend the next few years? Locked up, banged up. Their freedom taken. But you know the... Very interesting thing is, for us as Christians, every single day of our lives, even though we don't do that in the physical, we do that spiritually. A lot of Christians out there Expect to receive from God without a deposit, without sowing a seed. And we take the grace of God for granted. God is 
gracious. God is merciful. Just this one more time, God. When we save up our pounds, our CDs, our nairas, our dollars, we can go out and buy without anyone challenging us. If you have a 500 pound need, because you have deposited 500 pounds plus, you can easily do a bank transfer. But spiritually, what does our spiritual bank account look like? If we have a faith need today, do we have enough faith pounds in our spiritual account to be able to withdraw? If there's a health need, if there's a joy need, if there's a peace need, do we have enough deposited in those accounts to be able to withdraw from? If we were to line ourselves up against our spiritual bank account, a lover of us would be running on empty. I, I would like to, to look at it this way. I'm going to Scotland from London. Scotland is an eight-hour drive. And I've only got one quarter of petrol in my tank. And I haven't got my cards because there's no money on it. So I get in the car. I'm going to Scotland. How far will I get? Pardon? If, if at all. How far would you get running on empty? You know, the system of this world has made it easy for people to spend what they don't have. The overdrafts, the loans. But in actual fact, that does not belong to us. And the Bible tells us that we are slaves to the lender. So what we're doing by taking out an overdraft and taking out loans is we're making somebody else rich at our expense. When God says he has already given us all that pertains to life and to godliness. <sighs> you know, when we don't get what we want, people sometimes say, oh, you know, maybe God doesn't want me to have it. But God has already finished the work. Jesus said, it is finished. There is nothing new that he's going to do. All we need to do is appropriate his finished work in our lives and to take hold of what has already been done. Question is, how do we do that? There was a man in the Bible, his name was Daniel. 
He prayed. God showed him a vision. And he prayed. That's Daniel chapter 10. If anyone wants to look it up. He said, for 21 days, I was on my face in sackcloth. Morning, he was fasting. 21 days. But even after those 21 days, he did not see the result of his prayers. Why is that? Let's, let's take a very quick look at that. So that's Daniel chapter 10. So that is easy for you to follow me through. Right, the Bible says... <laughs> go ahead and read. Verse 1 to 3, please. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Can you go to verse 11 to 13, please? Amen. Verse 11 to 13. Yeah. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of my chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Amen. Amen. It says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withheld me for 21 days. Now, there's a reason why God says to us in Mark 11 that when you pray, when you pray, believe that you have received. Not tomorrow, not next year. When you pray, at that point in time, you believe that you have received. Daniel's prayer was withheld for 21 days. What is it that the enemy is withholding in your life? Today, I pray over everyone in this ministry that the plans of the prince of Persia in your life will come to nothing. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says that they would gather but they will fall for their own, on their own counsel because their gathering is not unto the Lord. Every gathering that is not unto the Lord that is against you would come to nothing in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It says against the rulers of darkness of this world. There are wickedness 
There are spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. And they're the ones that influence the ones that we see. So when there's an issue in the physical realm, it is being controlled in the spirit realm. And that is why we need to be on our guard and deal with it in the spirit realm. You're not fighting against your brother or sister. There is a spirit in operation. There's a spirit in operation in the back. And that's what we need to deal with. When there's situations in our lives, it's not our grandmother in the village. It's something that's working using that person. The Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I pray that every stronghold in our lives be pulled down in the name of Jesus. So if God has already given us everything that we need, how do we get it? If we have a physical need, what do we do? We take a physical cash and we buy whatever we want. So if we have a spiritual need, we use the currency of heaven. And that's faith. That is our currency. Somebody might say it's prayer. And I beg to differ. Because you can pray from now till 2030. But if you don't have the faith to receive what you have prayed for, nothing's going to happen. So you pray, but you also need the faith. So we're going to have an object lesson. Okay, I'd like you to sit down, Stephen. Stephen, what did you just do? You confirmed why confirmed you were going to sit. Where I was going to sit. You know, that's what a lot of us do. Whether we agree with it or not, somehow our mind tells us that we need to check things out. We need to be sure. Because sometimes we believe it's the enemy playing on our minds. And because of that intelligence that we think we have, and sometimes we think we're smarter than the one that has created us. Okay, Stephen, you're going to stand up again. Okay, I would like you to blindfold yourself. Praise God. Stephen, I would like you to walk with me. Let me take your hand. The Bible says we walk by and not by sight. This is what God is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to trust him 
and to walk. And he says he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. He says when we go through the fire, that he will be there with us. When we go through the water, it will not drown us. Stephen, I need you to trust and obey. Trust and obey. As we read the word of God, as we study the word of God, fear in our lives will disappear and it will make room for faith. Now, when we get to the corners, which are the trials of life, God said, I would hold you with my righteous right hand to ensure that when you're squeezed through health issues, financial issues, unforgiveness issues, I will make sure that I can pull you through those tight corners of your life to ensure that you can trust in me, you can obey, you can walk with me, but you can only do this when you spend time in the word of God. When you spend time and you know what the word of God says. When you spend time and say, Father, I know that you are the one that is steering my boat. That there is no one else that is leading me. That I am, you, I am your child. And you, whatever it is that you say, I will do. My faith is not in any man. My faith, my trust is in you. And I will trust and I will obey. Stephen, even with the blindfolds on, right, I would like you to take a seat. Hallelujah. Now, the first time I asked Stephen to sit down, you can take your blindfold off, thank you very much. The first time I asked him to sit, he was a bit hesitant. He was a lot hesitant. He needed to check things out. And for each one of us, that first time when God says, take a step of faith, we will be hesitant. But as we study the word of God, as we begin to fill our faith bank accounts, fear will disappear. The only way fear would disappear is we, if we fill our, our spiritual accounts with faith, with the word of God. As we pray, as we study, the Lord unveils himself to us on a daily, daily basis. And as he unveils himself to us, we trust him the more. And that is why we need to get to a point where our faith bank account is full. Because the book of James tells us situations will come. It says, count it all joy when, not if, when we are faced with diverse trials. Not just one, diverse trials. And I can assure you, there are certain things that would happen in our lives that we would not have the time to pick up a Bible. So it is whatever you have 
deposited in your spirit that would work for you on that day. So my question for us this morning is how much is in your faith bank? If we're diligent to ensure that our physical bank accounts are full, we need to do the same when it comes to our spiritual bank accounts. So that when that time comes, we can withdraw from it. Now, the Bible says faith comes by what? By hearing, by hearing, by hearing. And that is why earlier on I said, seed time, what we hear is very important. What we do with it is very important because there would always be a harvest. So are we hearing the word of God? Do we only hear the word of God on Sundays? What do we do the rest of the week? Do we hear the word of God just once a week, half an hour? Or do we spend time during the week? For us to get heaven's resources, we need those deposits. We need the deposit of faith. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So is faith a good thing? Is faith a good thing? I don't believe it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's an essential thing. It's a lifeline for us to be able to enjoy the resources of heaven. If we don't have it, we're going to come up empty. And we'll be spiritually bankrupt. So it's important that each one of us are intentional about making sure that our spiritual bank accounts are full. Now, when you deposit the ISAs, ISAs have a limit. So there are savings accounts that say there's a limit, 20,000 a year. But that's not so. With our faith accounts, you can deposit as much as you want. But whatever we put in, is what we can withdraw from when that time of need comes. And you can always start where you are today. And that's why the Bible says that each one of us, every single one of us, have been given a measure of faith. So we can't turn around, I can't turn around and say, oh no, the reason Stephen... Or the reason I'm more blessed. <laughs> the reason Stephen is more blessed than I am is because God has given him more faith. No. Don't answer. 
God has given each one of us a measure. But what are we to do with that measure of faith? We're to grow it. So if we decide to go and bury that one measure of faith in the ground and do nothing with it, what happens? It stays right there. But if we decide to utilize it, step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we're taking ground. Every prayer, a powerful weapon. Every faith, a powerful weapon. What does it say? Strongholds come tumbling down and down. My faith level last year is not the same as this year. And it's not going to be the same next year. Let's take a reality check. There were things that used to weigh me down, but not any longer. We all want to walk on water, don't we? But we need to get out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. And because Peter did it, we can do it in our various ways as well. But we need to take that step. So I'm going to ask us, because people say, oh yeah, faith, faith, faith. Where is faith stored? Where is it stored? If you ask someone, somebody might say, oh yeah, it's stored in heaven. Is it? Where is it stored? Should we find out? Because people think, oh well, you know what, I'll pray. You know, I need a bit of faith. I need more faith. You know, let me pray when the need comes. And I ask God, um, I just need small faith this time. Uh, medium faith this time. Oh, that issue is really big. I need big faith. Or, I need crazy faith. Amen. But let's see what Romans chapter 10 tells us about where faith is stored. Because when we know where it's stored, we can utilize it. Romans 10, 8. Romans 10 verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth. Hold on. Where is it? Near you. And? In your mouth. So where is faith stored? In your mouth. Carry on. And in your heart. Amen. That is the word of faith. The word of fear? Faith. Word of fear? Faith. Faith. Amen. Which we preach. Or which we speak, another version says. So, where is faith stored? In your mouth. It says it's near you. It's not, not even near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, for it to be in your mouth, it has to be in your heart. For it to be in your heart, it has to be in your eyes. Because if you don't study the word of God, how do you know what it says? How do you know 
what God is speaking concerning that issue. So it has to be in your eyes. You need to read it. You need to hear it. You need to appropriate it. You need, it has to become a rhema. And as you meditate on it, Joshua 1.8, as you meditate on it day and night, you take hold and you begin to speak it. So I'm going to round up here this week and we're going to carry on next week. But one thing I want us to take away from today is that that word of faith is in our mouth. So let us begin to make deposits in our spiritual bank accounts. There's a whole chapter in Hebrews that's written about the heroes of faith. Amen. And we're going to go through that next week or maybe the week after. But let us take hold. Our future is in our mouth. And that's why the Bible says that the power of death and life is in the tongue. What are we agreeing with? Are we agreeing with naysayers? Or are we agreeing with the report of the Lord? Your faith will determine the course of your life. Next week, we're going to have a look at how do we withdraw from our faith banks. But we need to know that we've got something in there in the first place. Otherwise, we'll be withdrawing from what we don't have. And there's no overdraft facility. You know, our ultimate goal as Christians is to become tycoons, spiritual tycoons with hearts that are full of faith that can withstand anything the enemy throws at us. You know, there would always be a bill from the devil and we need to be able to pay that bill through faith, through prayers. So I'm going to leave us with this thought today. It says, anything that's less than God would let you down. For every predicament you face in life, God has sufficient faith to carry you through. For every need, there is a supply. For every problem, there is an answer. For every hurt, there is a cure. God is looking for opportunities to show you what he can do on your behalf when you put your trust and your faith in him. I'm going to leave us with that thought today. And I trust that what's comfort today has ministered to you. Next week, we're going to carry on. There's still more of this. And we're going to look at examples in the Bible, of people who through their faith, God has come through for them.
And one thing I always say is, they don't have two heads. As they were then, so are we now. We actually are under a better covenant. So that means we have a better inheritance. And we can take hold of everything that God has promised us in his word. Because he says he is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Would he not do it? He says, I hold my word above my name. That is the God that we serve. And he will always, 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 always come through for us. We just need to hold him at his word. And I trust that during the course of this week, you will step out in faith much more than you have before and see God come true for you because he surely will. That is the God we serve. That is the confidence that we have in him. That when we call upon him, he hears us. Not only does he hear us, he says we already have the petition. Let us take hold of God's promises and appropriate them in our lives. And when we appropriate them in our lives, we can go and strengthen our brethren out there. That was what Jesus said to Peter. It says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you that when you are restored, you will go and strengthen your brothers. And that is my prayer for us today and this week. That as we appropriate the words of God in our lives, we will be strengthened and will cast fear away and take hold of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30 a.m. at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.